us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You will have to enter that in because the fact that we are adult content means that we have agreed to make ourselves unsearchable on their website. My name is Elle and I'm a sex educator. My name is Jen and I'm a private investigator. We want to learn more about ourselves. I'm like the boring vanilla one over here that's like, I don't do anything, but I'm, cu- I'm curious. And the fact that we're both sex workers means that we have insight into things taboo. Trigger warning, if you're easily upset by this stuff, maybe take a break. I have a feeling this is going to be weird. Sex and politics make for some very strange bedfellows. Work has been crazy. Oh my God, I did sex work jobs like three days in a row. And uh, so I worked a Friday night stripper shift. I did webcam, which I rarely do. Um, It was also a feature for this cam site, uh, Cam Soda, and they've treated me really well. I've had good experience with them both times. So did that, but still very new to me. And I always worry about tech fuck-ups, especially. (laughs) Like how so? What do you mean? Well, like... The vibrator is wireless and it's attached to people Uh, who tip. So it vibrates when people tip. Um, In testing it, it wasn't like linking correctly. And the admin who's trying to help me was getting very frustrated. And so, I mean, she helped me, but I could sense her frustration. And I was like, ah, that piles it on for me. I'm also kind of unfamiliar with the format. It goes from like a public viewing for the first five minutes. And that gives people time to buy into your next show, which is more private. Um, I chose, you have the option to block certain states from seeing you entirely. So if I'm like, oh, I have family in these states, just block the state. I didn't do that. And so I kind of was like, all right, I'm just letting it all out there. And then I'm masturbating on cam. So with the visibility that I've chosen in this industry and through social media, it's very much going to be like no separation between my work and my personal life because that very next shift when I came in, a person who had watched the show and was a great supporter and tipped and I like this person but he was like oh let's talk about it and I'm like oh my god I'm still decompressing <laughs> you know and it how was how long did the show last for like how an long hour okay but that's still like a stretch of time to be actively aware of what you look like oh yeah I know that's a really long time to have to be on yeah so even with stripping, it's like I go on stage for, what, seven, eight minutes, and I could just go hide in the dressing room for another 40 if I wanted to. I mean, I don't. I hustle. I talk to everybody I can, but for the most part. Whew. And then I did another stripping shift the night after, and this is in between, like, writing. And uh, luckily, it was over the weekend, so I didn't have my child. But, oh, my God, my burnout. Oh, I feel like a robot. We were talking with John, our editor, earlier, and he mentioned disassociating when having like a sexual experience go away that he wasn't like mentally or emotionally or sexually prepared for. And I just disassociated so heavy on my most recent shift because I'm so burnt out. But it was great because like I made so much money. Sweet. Because I was just in the flow. I was like a robot. I'm like, step one, approach person. Step two, smile. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have to pick up somewhere. I I wasn't working for a minute because I was busy, but um, the state is once again extremely backlogged and I find myself in a position where I haven't been paid for weeks 
I have $3,000 worth of bills that are about to come out of my bank account and none of my invoices being paid. I'm just dying. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, oh God, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And this is why people do sex work jobs. Yeah, basically, because your real jobs, you work and sometimes you don't get paid for it for a very long time. And your real jobs, your conventional jobs, your conventional jobs. So hopefully I get some shifts. And this is like, that's fucked up because you are contracting with the state, with the state. Yeah, but they're having, once again, like, technical difficult, like, they're having some sort of problem with, I, I don't know, I, mean, I should, probably shouldn't talk with this, but, like, <laughs> talk about this, but they're just having, I don't know, I mean, businesses have this, like, shit goes wrong with your system, and they're late and, to pay and you. late to pay, and now everyone and their fucking mom is trying to be an investigator, so they just get flooded with new requests and it's just and now what used to take it was supposed to be 10 business days is now 15 to 17 business days that's terrible it is terrible it is terrible i don't know what i'm gonna do i honestly don't know what i'm gonna do like i'm gonna have to sell my car or my ass oh my god really no i mean no not really i couldn't do my job without that but (laughs) but i am looking around my ass (laughs) right my well my car i couldn't i couldn't be a pi without being a car but no i'm definitely like man i need to go to the pawn shop wow yeah that's fucked and and this is and i've worked so many hours right this week you know like in the weeks before like i've worked so much and uh this is why people do this is why people jump off bridges (laughs) honestly like people kill themselves over this shit it's like by the time the money makes its way to my bank account, I will be overdrawn or be paying interest on credit cards. So even more of my money Dude. will be gone because of this, you know? Hey, this is a That's- perfect opportunity. If you want to support the show. <laughs> yeah, send it to Patreon so Jen can eat. <laughs> yeah, um, these are our labors of love. So back to the club you go. I'm sorry you're dealing with so much of that. Well, thank fucking God. I, I mean, hopefully I get some shifts. Like if I get some shifts, then I'm fine because thank God for strip clubs. Mm-hmm. Thank God for customers that want to pay for to, women to, to hang out with them. Yeah, right? I mean, thank God for this. And people are, you know, I don't know people are like, stripping's bad and you should do something else. Well, I am fucking doing something else and it's still unreliable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So thank God they're there. So this brings up an interesting point. I had gotten a couple of messages that I shared with you from strippers in California that had heard mutterings of a bill being proposed that I don't want to use the word forces, but mandates that clubs offer either employee status or independent contractor status to the dancers. Um, A lot of women who like the appeal of the idea of employee status um i don't think they understand some of the potential pitfalls of becoming an employee um so one woman had said if this is enacted or if i become an employee that means that i make minimum wage hourly which whatever that is in that state so 1075 11 i don't know not livable and then once I meet a certain quota of lap dances, I get to keep a percentage of that money. Once you meet a certain quota of lap dances, I want, imagine if it's some arbitrary number like 10, 10 
Imagine doing 10 lap dances for minimum, but just making minimum wage. And you get and not to keep getting... 25% of that. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, so, I'll pass. So this happened, this came up a few years ago. And you know, and some other people know that I had lobbied in the Capitol, in the Oregon Capitol building uh, with different, <laughs> well, with different people in the industry who wanted to create this hotline where live entertainers throughout the state could call if they had questions or concerns or needed resources. And one of the people that was lobbying with me was another stripper. And she really, really, I'm going to just say it, struggled to make um, money throughout her shifts. And she really liked the idea of having a secure wage, something she could rely on, even if it was like 60 bucks after taxes. Because you think the hourly wage and you take out taxes, so you work for six or eight hour shift. Okay, if you can't make 50 bucks or 60 bucks as a stripper, you might need to find some other jobs to do because what happens when you become an employee is in Oregon, Oregon's still an at-will employer, so they can fire you for any reason. Not only that, but when you become an employee, they often, they, the clubs, have more ability to restrict and control how you dress, what you look like, your conduct. Right. I remember um, talking to an old boss when um around the time that this legislation was happening and um you know or this person was bringing up wanting to have this stuff and talking about what the possible possibility of minimum wage might look like and i remember him being saying like well if i have to pay you ladies almost everyone's getting fired but only the top 10 Right. You know, will remain, you know, there there will be no one will be given chances or there will be none of that. Right. You know? because and, the and I'll decide when you work. Right. You know? And it's like, fuck that. Because where does the money come from? Like the club will have to dip into their funds. And a lot of clubs actually don't make that much money, especially right. in this state. Yeah, they can't afford to pay us. Now, what I am in favor of now, I tell you, what, you know, what solve the fucking problem. What fucks shit up for everybody is the house fees. Get rid of the fucking house fees. I should not be paying for your club to stay open. If you depend on my house fees because you can't, your bartenders suck, you can't, you know, your atmosphere sucks and you can't, the bar can't make enough money. Like, I should not have to be expected to prop up your fucking business right so what happens a lot i don't know if people understand that but a lot of strippers most strippers that we know of pay to work in the venue we pay a house fee to be there that's what fucks people real bad i mean that's i think ultimately what screws people is sometimes like it's a bad shift or a slow club and you'll make minimum wage or more you'll make 80 90 bucks which is a crappy shift but whatever but then house fees will eat up half of that and that's when you're like leaving with 30 bucks because Mm-hmm. the house is taken mm-hmm. and that's all your happen. shit and that's that's fucking wrong yeah. but we can address one without mandating the other well if a lot know? of these clubs would just charge like a one dollar two dollar entry fee let the customers who want to be in there afford that because let's be honest if they don't have a dollar or two fucking dollars or if those are their only dollar and two fucking dollars they shouldn't be coming in in the first place right i agree so it's a great screening process um, I urge more clubs or any clubs to adopt that. And yeah, keep the house fees low because that will encourage the motivated workers to show up. They're like, I get to keep even more of my money. It's really demotivating right? to know that I have a $50 stage fee hanging over my head. Yeah. Before I and you know begin. what customers don't like? Desperate, pushy girls, desperate to break even. 
mm-hmm. know, and that are just pouncing on everyone that walks through the door. Mm-hmm. And high house fees like encourage that. So nobody has a good time. People don't come back because mm-hmm. it's pushed. You know, it's a vicious cycle of, but I don't know. I mean, there's so many people or club owners are really bad at running a business. It's mm-hmm. amazing how many bars and restaurants or strip clubs out there have really are a victim of bad management. Well, you don't have it's to have not good lo- ethics or business training. To, to, you to, just have to have money. Right. And well, the opportunity to open. And just be willing to feast off the back of your employees. Yeah, it's yeah. shitty. So what else, um, what are some other reasons that you wouldn't want to be classified as an employee? First of all, if you don't pay taxes, you're going to have to as an employee if you're paying if like a business is paying you and you're collecting a paycheck I mean I think that that's also something that's I don't know if discoverable is necessarily the word but that's a paper trail that leads you to the sex industry that I'm pretty sure like will come up in some sort of background check or absolutely you know and that's so discrimination we face discrimination by having to report our previous employers because if you go to a job application and they say list your three previous employers and you don't want to add like, well, shit, I was an employee at this strip club because you know that you're going to face discrimination. You might leave it off. But then they do your background check and say, you didn't list this. You've already lied on your application. Mm-hmm. So check that shit out. <laughs> Just the, some things to think about when you're like employee status. I heard um, another during also during the same time um I had a, a customer was telling me because I remember, God, man, the clubs were alight with gossip about this, uh, about the stripper legislation. And one um, famous locally known club owner, I guess, had told a customer of mine that was friends with him that if he had to pay the girls, they were going to be doing cleaning in between stage sets. That he was like, I have them working. If I have to pay you, you can get off stage and you better be mopping the floor. <laughs> <laughs> dusting like oh god that's actually what you hire janitors for mother okay. right interesting um, so yeah so that's another thing to consider too is that they will want you to work mm-hmm. like literally work like be on stage all of the time or be doing there could be a uh, conduct <laughs> we're just like fear-mongering but at this point but like i've seen examples of this i've seen examples in one One proposed, and it didn't stay up for long, thank goodness, because the management was malleable. But I saw some years ago, there was a long list of conduct, um, and one of them encouraged the dancers to sit on customers' laps. And I was like, oh boy, you you can't start telling me who the fuck's lap I'm going to sit on. Because you Mm -hmm. know what that feels like? Coerced labor. Oh shit, are we sex trafficking now? Like, you have to do this or else. And that's what happens in clubs is management will be like, look, this guy paid for VIP. If he's going to molest you, um, too bad, because he already gave us the money. So get your ass in there. Attention service and sex industry workers. Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your shift with new 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. class times. Seeking Space is rooted in empathy and they've combined creative flows and experienced teachers to provide a safe, inviting space for any and all wishing to find peace on the mat. Need a little motivation? They are offering 10% off on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and a full list of class times. 
Passion by Kate is an award-winning resource for women and couples who crave a more intimate, exciting, and fulfilling sex life. Passion by Kate's affirming writing, workshops, and one-on-one counseling help you create a new level of openness and intimacy with your partner without feeling awkward, twisting yourself into a pretzel, or spending hours a day on intimacy-building activities. Learn more and find hashtag freedom and pleasure at Passion by Kate. That's K-A-I-T dot com. Mention this podcast to receive a complimentary 30-minute counseling session when you purchase any Passion by Kate product or service. If you're looking to jazz up a jacket, bag, or just your fine self, our friends at Gimme Flare have everything you could possibly need. Gimme Flare is the largest online retailer of pins and patches that range from the cute and sweet to the snarky and slutty. They are sex positive, queer friendly, and aim to crush mental health stigma, all with fun flair from around the globe. Check out gimmeflare.com to browse items from over 250 plus artists. Um, I haven't been able to suck any of B's dick this week or kiss him on the mouth because I have had a little herpes simplex one outbreak on my bottom lower, bottom lower, lower right lip. Um, feels really good rubbing it on the microphone right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is my microphone and trust me, I've been rubbing my face on it all season and for a couple. Yeah, I was like, oh, don't worry. I don't rotate the mics. (laughs) everyone gets a every guest gets a fair disclaimer your voice your mouth's gonna be real close to it but this is a shared microphone so maybe not on it (laughs) anyway so I have a cold sore I remember the first time I remember getting a cold sore and I could have had one younger in childhood but I think oh god I, I, I wasn't even 10 but I remember being at my elementary school and I had a lot of anxiety about going to school with this ouchy boo boo sore on my face and my mom said oh yeah you know I get those your dad gets those Um, It's viral. So I just probably was born always getting them. But an outbreak will come due to stress or like a health flare up. Sometimes it's just, look, you have a virus living in your body. It's going to, you know, come out to say hello sometimes. So, but I remember thinking like, okay, how can I hide this throughout the entire day? And I <laughs> I was a nail biter anyway, which isn't great when you're already introducing bacteria into your face. <laughs> but I remember thinking like, I'll just pretend I'm like pensively chewing my nail and just walk around that way. Aww. I was a small child. And first thing, as soon as I get dropped off or uh, got off the bus to cross the, the crossing guard says to me like, what you thinking about little lady? And I was Aww. like, oh God, I can't get through the whole day like this. But I have one right now. And it's been really cool because I haven't had an outbreak in probably about nine months. I filmed with a French uh, film crew a few days ago for this episode on ecosexuality. And I don't want to say too much about it because I don't know what it looks like yet. But the episode, not my cold sore. But I was like, oh, of course I'm getting a fucking cold sore on a filming day. But you know what? Shit happens. People get them. Um, I've also had a really fun time setting boundaries about uh, drink or joint sharing uh, in party environments. People are like, oh, can I hit that? And I'm like, actually, I probably shouldn't because I have an active cold sore right now. Or like, oh, do you want to sip my drink? I'm like, oh, shoot, thank you for offering, but I can't because I'm having an outbreak right now. And it's really cool because nobody's made a big deal about it. Because it's not a big deal. But there's also a pause from some folks. And either they didn't notice or they didn't know what to say. And I'm like, cool. 
That's fine because we can all practice just saying no thank you to things. Yeah, for legitimate reasons. What is echo sexuality? Eco? Eco, like what? I don't understand. What is it? We should do an entire episode about this sometime. Um, Eco sexuality is how you relate to the earth and nature as being your lover or a component of your sexuality. It was uh, created and named by... Is that like the dolphin fuckers? Is that... No. Well, as long as it's consensual, but I don't think you could get consent (laughs) from a dolphin. Um, It was named by Annie Sprinkle and her partner, Beth, whose Beth name, last name, I don't remember. It's carried on by a friend of mine. Uh, Her name is Madison Young. She did porn for a long time. She's a sex educator. She's also a writer. Um, So we were out filming with people who experience... Their sexuality through nature. So some people take it like very literally where they will have like, let's have this erotic mud bath and I'm going to just rub mud all over. And I watched a couple do this, like rub mud all over you and just feel it between your, it's fun for them. But for me, no, I mean, I'm like, great. I don't get it, but okay. Yeah. You know? But it's, it's fine. It doesn't yeah, hurt nothing, anybody. No. Right. Good um, for you. I wish a, I could get off on mud. I mean, you know. <laughs> so for me... <laughs> I identify more as a person influenced by ecofeminism and ecofeminism is a pretty obscure but still um, decades old gathering actually really you could say more of a century but um, it's always equated to how can specifically women but now everyone marginalized peoples and slash everyone because we're facing an environmental crisis how do we live more ecologically with like social justice in mind so we've poisoned our planet with our consumerism our fast fashion you know Mm -hmm. so how as an eco-feminist can i not only support female clothes makers and also be low impact this is an example of how my feminism is impacted by my relationship to the natural world Okay, now I can get behind that. Lucky you, because we actually have a uh, book about it in our book roulette. Oh, gee. Yeah. Well, good to know. But no, I can totally get down with that idea. And it makes a lot of sense. Let's do a little bit of book roulette. So I promised you some eco-sexuality, eco-feminism. We'll get to that later. I want you to pull, pick a number one or two. I'm going to go for number one. Mm. Okay, this is from Modern Sexuality, Uncovering the Truth About Sex and Relationships by Dr. Michael Aaron. Speaking of pornography, a recent study in the prestigious Journal of Sex Research found that many women in the pornography industry actually have higher self-esteem, a better quality of life, and are more spiritual than their non-porn cohorts. Uh, There's a study cited. The researchers concluded that the, quote, damaged goods theory about sex workers was unfounded. A study by the Australian government reported that half of the 82 call girls and 101 brothel workers interviewed, this is in a separate study, felt that their work, quote, was a major source of satisfaction, quote, two-thirds of the brothel workers and seven out of ten call girls said they would, quote, definitely choose this work, if they had to do it over again, and 86% in the brothels and 79% of call girls said that, quote, my daily life is always varied and interesting. Well, there you go. One more on this. I thought this was fucking hilarious. In addition, sociologist Tanise Foltz 
found that the escorts she interviewed not only enjoyed their work, but also saw themselves as superior in some ways to other women. According to Foltz, quote, they consider women who are not in the life to be throwing away woman's major source of power and control, while they as prostitutes are using it to their own advantage as well as for the benefit of society. Hmm. <laughs> I fucking love that. So this brings up the fact that when they actually do unbiased studies of sex workers, um, the results are better than you would think. <laughs> I mean, maybe if sex workers ever have low self-esteem, it's because society tells us that we're worthless and garbage, not because there's something like inherently wrong with us or gross about the work that we do. Yeah, I did a presentation. Um, maybe it just feels bad being called a dumb whore yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, like. I did a presentation on a college campus here and a major portion of it, um, it was about the impacts of horophobia. And a portion of it was feedback from strippers, sex workers, but specifically strippers from around the country. And it was noticeable that stigma was like the most impactful part of the, of the depression like cycles related to the job. So <sighs> I love that. All right, next one. I'm gonna make you wait, I'm gonna edge you. <laughs> Ecofeminism, <laughs> ecofeminism at the end. Uh, Give me the ecofeminism. I know. I'll make you wait. Let's do Sex and History by Ray Tannehill. In China, several hundred years ago, there was a shortage of men in the population. So for a while, it just became more practical for the society to have multiple wives and one husband. So to ex experience a polygamy so this is the Chinese gentleman, practical in all things, took care not to cause emotional crisis in the women's quarters when he introduced a new concubine. There was a correct way to do this as everything else. In about 1550, a wealthy landowner or merchant whose identity is unknown left to his sons a piece of sound advice on how to deal with the situation. So here's the right method. The right method, he said, quote, is for the man to control his desire for the time being not to approach the newcomer, but to concentrate his attention on the others. Every time he has sexual intercourse with his other women, he should make the newcomer stand at attention by the side of the ivory couch. Assuming you have an ivory couch. Oh my God, it's almost like when you introduce a new dog into the household. <laughs> No, I'm, ser I'm serious. It's like I've been thinking about doing it, and it's like the kind of advice they give about paying lots of attention to the old dog and p as you integrate the new one. Mm -hmm. Or having a second child, and so you spoil the so first one. This man doesn't have a, has a household. He has a litter. <laughs> he has an ivory couch. <clears throat> I, shall I continue? Uh, then, after four or five nights of this, he may have intercourse with a newcomer, but only with his princip principal wife and the other concubines present. This is the fundamental principle of harmony and happiness in one's women's quarters. Well, <laughs> ancient China would have sucked. <laughs> you know, the more I read about history, like <laughs> it all sucked. Right? It all sounds bad. Women get screwed in every scenario. Yeah, totally. All the time. Um, that is where ecofeminism comes in. I was actually reading, so this is a collection of essays. This book is called Reweaving the World, The Emergence of Ecofeminism. It is a collection of essays. This piece is written by Rianne Eisler. Even in the 19th century, 
when archaeology was still in its infancy, scholars found evidence of societies where women were not subordinate to men. But their interpretation of this evidence was that if these societies were not patriarchies, they must have been matriarchies. In other words, if men did not dominate women, then women must have dominated men. However, this conclusion is not borne by the evidence. Rather, it is a function of what I have called a dominator society worldview. The real alternative to patriarchy is not matriarchy, which is only the other side of the dominator coin. The alternative, now revealed to be the original direction of our, our cultural evolution, is what I call a partnership society, a way of organizing human relations in which beginning with the most fundamental difference in our species, the difference between male, female and male, diversity is not equated with inferiority or superiority. So that's an interesting idea because I've never thought about it. So that's the pervasiveness of the patriarchy way of thought, which would be domination. So I think more of like a partnership society. I think of like bartering. Right. Of like child sharing. I mean, the problem is like now we've got this like kind of Trumpian view where everything is a zero sum, where there's no common goals, where every win depends upon you losing. I mean, that seems to be the dominant at least the dominant philosophy in po politics mm. right now. Do you not agree? I mean, look <laughs> at middle America. These are people that just want to own the libs and our government just wants to fuck other countries over. Mm -hmm. Oh like, yeah. That's no. how we, like, oh, that's yeah. how we. Oh, absolutely. Oh, right. Um, there's a lot going on. <clears throat> there was another part in this book that I also wanted to read because it also had to do with gender. Okay. So <clears throat> when we talk about misogyny, uh, misandry. Uh, it's a common, it's a common thing in my industry to be like men are trash, cut all the dicks off, whatever. And you, our industry, um, I'm used to talking about this with other people, but you know what I mean? Like there's yeah, yeah. a lot of man hating that happens because there's also a lot of abuse that we've gone through and most of it's by men, uh, cis hetero men. So that's where that comes from. But then I think it breeds this really unhealthy attitude with like automatically labeling all people who are cis hetero men as as trash as bad. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think has kind of gone off the hinges. So this is also from this book. This piece is by Michael E. Zimmerman. So a dude wrote this, but let's check it out. Contemporary feminism is an extraordinary complex movement. In the late 1960s and early 1970s, many Western feminists saw the problem as women being systematically denied the educational and economic opportunities necessary for them to compete on equal footing with men. Feminism meant fighting for equal rights in the political and economic areas. Gradually, however, feminists began to see that it might be unwise for women to emulate roles that had been defined and structured by and for men. Feminist theories began to emphasize the differences between men and women. Still later, some feminists began to conclude that not only are women different from men, they are better than men. <laughs> Other feminists have been quick to point out problems with this position. First, it seems to confirm the misogynist viewpoint that women are essentially or naturally or biologically different. The misogynist concludes that such, quote, natural differences make women, quote, inferior while the feminist concludes that they make women superior. And any talk of female superiority reinstalls the very hierarchy that feminists found and fought against in patriarchy. 
Some eco-feminists even speak as if men are so flawed that only women can solve the environmental crisis because women are more attuned to the cycles of nature and to their own feelings than are men. But women are also distorted by patriarchy, and some men are deeply appreciative of their relationship to the natural world. I mean, yeah, I can get behind this, but I got to be honest with you. I feel that sounds like some not all men shit to me. Like that's <laughs> just some guy being, because I mean, have you ever, I don't think, I mean, yeah, I've been guilty of some men are trash talk and, and yeah, that happens in the industry, but I don't think I've ever met anybody who actually argues that women are superior to men. Like, um, is that? I have. Really? I have. But you know where this comes up with? Older turfs. People who tend to argue this tend to be oh, second like the wave. Andrea Dworkin types. Or well, like, when you're talking huh. to women who truly believe that they're more connected to the earth because they menstruate. Oh, I always forget about the turfs. I forget about the trans. There's a lot yeah. of overlap here. So this is where. I'm so lucky I'm not exposed to those people on a daily basis. You know, um, I, I turfs tend to be swerfs. So again, it's like. I think some of the swerfs have this like they stand on the supposed podium of sacred sexuality and like I, I can't come modify this you can't come modify this or you're bad and it's like just an excuse for their whorephobia and there's an overlap with turfs who are like you are not as connected to the earth because you don't bleed out of your pussy you're not a real woman these people tend to be the same people in my experience mm. yeah that makes a lot of sense actually yeah so um so, and I, I saw, I was reading another essay in here and I don't know which one it was, but my eyebrow kind of lifted because there was a phrase in it where the author had said that we're coming to this great disconnect from nature and we are starting to industrialize a lot of things. And I'm like, okay, yes, absolutely. And she spoke of, and again, this was written in 1990. So mm. she spoke of, we are developing the science to where anyone can now be a parent. So like in vitro. So does that mean like trans men? Like, are you mad that like someone else could birth a baby that's like not just natural to you? You know, I mean, I would love that. I would love it if men would have kids. Some men would be great. Not too many, but <laughs> this is why I try to say parent instead of mother or father because mm. when we say mother, we assume like a certain gender. Let role. me let me be specific. I wish cis men could have children. <laughs> take some of the pressure off us that make dating a lot easier <laughs> be like cool you can push that out of your dick hole because <laughs> i'm not gonna do it <laughs> uh, there are some good Sorry. videos on the internet um a few different peoples have done videos where they strap cis men up to uh oh i've seen them yeah with the, the, with the they're contraction like things they're so contraction they machines like labor mm-hmm uh, those, ma hurts. those videos made me cry because I was like, oh, my God. It brought up, I had a very long, painful labor. So I was like, oh, my God, it's so great that someone else can feel this who will never feel this otherwise. I'll pass. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. <laughs> hey, friends, do you get sore muscles or stiff joints like us? How's your skin? Is it dry, itchy, irritated, bruised, or sunburnt? If so, it sounds like you need some nabom in your pocket. Nabalm, that's N-A-E-B-A-L-M, is an all-natural skin and body balm handmade right here in Portland. Nabalm products use a base of organic olive oil and beeswax followed by an infusion of therapeutic essential oils, each of which provides all sorts of benefit. Oh yes, and they smell amazing. 
To learn more, check out nabalm.com or search Nabalm on Facebook or Instagram. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. All right. So let's do some listener questions. Sometimes when I pee after sex, it feels strange, like an initial burn or hot discomfort feeling near to where the urine exits my vulva. And then that strange pee shudder that I hear women sometimes get, and then I feel fine. It's not all of the time, and I actually went to get tested expecting to hear that I had a UTI or an STI, but nothing. Is this normal, or does anybody else experience this? I was so excited to see this question. Oh, yeah, because I... Okay, so... I have, like, a kink in my urethra. Really? Like, yeah. How do you know? Because um, I went I saw the doctor about this. A long, yeah. Well, they didn't do They said this is probably... I guess it's fairly common that you can have kind of a kink and it predisposes you to UTIs. I mean, it sounds like she doesn't have a UTI, but there was a point in time where I was getting them all of the fucking time. And it didn't really matter what I did. Like, I was always having UTIs. And the doctor hypothesized that that is probably the reason why. Dang. So this might be what's happening to you. I mean, sometimes that still happens to me like after sex. And when I won't have a UTI, but I kind of feel I'm like, oh, God, I have that feeling like I might get one. You know, like you just know immediate. You're like, oh, no. Mm -hmm. Um, A little tingle. Oh, girl, that happens to me, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, (sighs) yeah. I was super excited to see this. So, do you do you take cranberry supplements? I don't. Um, I actually noticed this about myself and went through a similar thought process a few years ago. And I noticed that if I have lengthy, like marathon or really intense sex with like, basically, if I'm really swollen, the more swollen I am, the more uncomfortable it is to pee, which what about you hear about dudes with dicks you can't pee with a boner yes you can it's just uncomfortable for a lot of people right right <laughs> yeah so maybe the same thing happens well when you, you're... i mean it's a slightly different mechanism because penises like your cum and your pee comes out the same hole mm. so um there's like actually a little switch that goes back and forth to direct the two but obviously not impossible we were talking with john yeah. earlier before he even got here before you even got in here, he's, he had said that a teacher in sex ed had said it's impossible to pee with an erection. And he wanted to be like, no, it's not. I'm in seventh grade and I do it all the time. So, um, but I think when I'm swollen, I honestly just think that like the skin, like my hot urine pushing against all of my skin that's... Well, maybe it gets... So, I mean, if you think about where it is, if something's been pummeling you and pummeling that area hard, like the tissue around that is going to swell yeah too and oh, that's yeah. that's gonna suck yeah especially like good for you for getting tested um i highly if you're really uti prone and you're sexually pretty regularly sexually active i highly recommend taking i don't know i what really helped me was when i was with a partner was to just take cranberry supplements just like a once a day little cranberry supplement that helps um 
it makes your bladder like slippery so it's like harder for the bacteria to take hold and have it make a little infection in there mm. or at least that's the theory that's the theory behind it anyway and, and for me i found it really did help mm-hmm. but I've i mean I, st- I still just get them though honestly i mean it's it yeah. sucks some but, of us are just more prone i mean uh, we're not doctors but we're not know, doctors follow drink, up drink lots you- of water too man the more water you drink just the better it's going to be on the way out. Yeah, I can basically almost count on it. Like if I've had a certain like kind of sexual activity happen to my pussy, then and I'm not like being vague, but if it's some, you know, if it's like slapping or squirting or I've just like done a lot and I'm just big and puffy, I can count on the fact that it's going to right feel weird to be. Also too, <laughs> even I know everyone knows not to like take something out of the like the dick, pull the dick out of the butt and then put it in the vagina, but that goes for hands too. If there's been some butt play and maybe they go right back around to the front, like wash your hands. Toys. Yeah, like mm-hmm. if it's been in your butt, I mean it's not that your butt's gross, it's just that you don't want to mix the two. Yeah, you don't want to introduce. Y- you don't want to use like the same spoon that you just scoop some garlic into the frying pan with to stir the cookie batter you know like that's <laughs> even though it looks like there isn't any garlic left on it those cookies are gonna taste fucking horrible i love all if your you use that sorry did no, that no, no. make any sense yeah it's like the the dinner cheese ones that you made earlier in the season i love that i still think of that sometimes <laughs> oh the cheese yeah like there's no cheese left if you keep carving off my cheese emotionally right if you don't know what we're talking Let's, about, you haven't been listening yeah, to this entire go, season. Yeah, you should go back and listen to my more of my stupid food metaphors. Oh, I love it. All right, question two. I've been stripping less than a month, but I'm struggling with what to offer in VIP rooms and whether the boundaries I feel are valid. Or a topless club that is supposedly no touch, but not really the case. I let a guy feel my ass. I've still held out on guys feeling my breasts. Is it normal or am I being prudish? For the record, I really love dancing and have had fun giving lap dances. Oh, now this seems to be like this is a complicated little tight walk that you got to walk in between club management, your fellow dancers and yourself. Like you've got to ask three. There's three questions you need to ask. One, what am I comfortable with? Mm -hmm. Two, what are the other girls comfortable with me doing? like whose toes am I going to step on or can I compete with what they're doing and three what can I get away with without getting fired I mean seriously though (laughs) I mean we all know the management's going to say one thing and there are some things that are going to slip or management might be super duper strict you know so those you've really got to answer those three questions and triangulate somewhere in the middle will be What's your best value for money? <laughs> right. And yeah, I'm so glad because you hit exactly the same points I was going to. You said a couple of them slightly differently. <laughs> what you can get away with. I mean, true though. Yeah, I'm true. Sure well, thinking. so do what you feel good about and what is most respectful to the venue and your peers, um, obviously. And if you're comfortable with hands on butt or boobs or feet um, or face, I don't know how much makeup you wear, but don't touch my face, customers. Um, <laughs> then that's okay. And it's also okay to make more money for doing more, but that's as long as it doesn't put other people like your peers at risk or perpetuate behaviors that are harmful in the environment. If you're okay with doing a little extra, and I don't mean, I'm not referring to extras here as like blowjobs or full service sex work, but if you're okay with with certain different levels of touching and your coworkers are also okay if it's generally accepted that everybody does that yeah, kind of thing then you should really talk more. to them 
about what they're charging so y'all aren't undercutting each other too. Mm. Like you don't want to be, if they have like, generally I do a touch dance for four, you know, like some places it's like a dance starts at 25, but it's 40 if you want contact or mm-hmm. whatever. I don't know, whatever prices the girls are generally charging. You should really find that out because that's, if I think people can. really get shitty if you're undercharging for, if you're doing like the $20 boner yeah. grind, then yeah. no one's going to be happy with you. Yeah, there was a new girl recently and like she's new so she doesn't well she does now but there were, she was giving these really grindy like on your lap close contact lap dances while during her stage set and that's just not what we do in our club and mm. I've worked there for decades so I know what's par for the course and um, I told her I said later privately not to where she would feel confronted but I said hey just so you know lap dances happen in the lap dance room not on the stage and which is always an awkward place to be because I don't want to be big, bad, scary house girl who's been there forever. But I also like don't like what I'm seeing on stage because it's not something that everyone else here is comfortable with. Also, our clientele is going to be like, oh, really? There's people who specifically come to our club because they feel comfortable not being touched and I've had clients say I don't like going to other clubs where the girls will just grab your dick or smear their pussy down your chest like while you're sitting at the stage so it's just not our environment um so it just it depends where you work it also depends uh what the local politics are like I don't know if you're gonna get busted for like breaking a contact rule well that's true I mean I'm just speaking from Portland experience here I I think you know knock wood oh sorry I'm gonna knock Knockwood, we generally don't have vice raids. No, we don't. Uh, but some cities, that's very much a reality. I mean, like New Orleans, Columbus, Atlanta, Ohio. even yeah, Columbus. I mean, there's lots of there's lots of states where it really is maybe a legal concern against doing that. So maybe be I don't know where you're working, but be mindful of where. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you, it's perfectly fine. I have a customer who I think he wants to fuck me so bad. And he started, he's gotten to the point where he started to try to guilt me into being, he said something recently. He's like, oh, I know you just, just doing enough to make sure I come back here. And I'm like, well, I didn't force you to come Because he graduated to like air humping. No, he's actually like a, a, a very sexy, powerful person with a very powerful job who lives like halfway around the country. And I feel like all of those things make me want to like have respect for him. If he could just put that final like, coin in the bucket and like not be entitled I would like you as a person you know mm. who knows I might have already fucked you but you're entitled so no <laughs> right um where was I going with this but he's so grabby and he's so grabby because it's part of the game that I have allowed us to play and that means me fighting off you know it's not really fighting off swatting away a hand if he goes to pinch my nipple and sometimes he'll land a pinch and this is a no contact club where I work. So if that happens, I'm not going to have him kicked out. I'm going to smack his hand away and charge him more. And I can do that. And you can do that too. You know, God, that's fucked up. You've told him that you're not doing that. And well, he continues to do it. He's not actually. But, you know. But I've initiated that this is the encounter I'm okay right. with. Like, I've let him know that I will let him know if he actually crosses a boundary. But so far, he's fine to try. Right. Because that's what keeps him coming back. He doesn't want to sit still and have a tender moment. He wants to feel like he's trying to pursue me. Okay. And I can make a couple hundred bucks in half an hour. That's all right. So I'm going to do it. 
All right. Looks like we got some news and shit. <laughs> I didn't actually know that Kleenex made, quote, man size tissues. I didn't know that either. Is that to clean their big, salty fucking tears? <laughs> so when they, Kleenex. When they, cry, when they cry about the libs trying to turn them into girls or whatever, you know, <sighs> the latest. We're all a little gay. It's shit. fine. We're all little girls. The tissues were first introduced in 1956, so they're getting rid of their man-sized tissues after 62 years, says this CNN article. Um, Oh, my God. So, apparently, in 1956, a tagline used in the advertising was, stay strong when wet. (laughs) (laughs) They can't even say, like, Those are some words to live by, huh? (laughs) Can that be, can we steal that and have that be our new tagline here Stay at Strange strong. Bedfellows? Stay strong when wet. Whether you're crying, your pussy's leaking, or you just got rained on. Stay yeah. strong. <laughs> so complaints on social media about the product's gendered marketing is prompting the change. This is great because you know what? <laughs> hey, this goes to show that feedback actually changes things. That's true. This is a really small thing, but that's cool. Because now they're going to be called Kleenex Extra Large. That's fine for your extra large boogers because you're you're a real man. And it's (laughs) subliminal advertising. I mean, it's still marketed to the same folks. That's fine. (laughs) This is so funny. Someone tweeted, hi, Kleenex UK. My four-year-old son asked me what was written here. Then he said, why are they called man size? Can girls, boys, and mummies use them? I said, I don't know. And yes, of course. He suggests you should call them very large tissues. It is 2018. I mean, fair enough. For more Strange Bedfellows, check us out on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and become a supporter for access to behind the scenes material and extra content. My name is Elle Stanger and you can find me at stripperwriter.com and on Instagram at stripperwriter. And my name is Jen. You can reach me on strangebedfellowspdx.com.